Welcome to episode number 79 of Storytelling with Seth. I'm your host, Seth Singleton, and today I'm sitting down with an amazing man, Thanos, and talking about his collaboration with another gentleman, Stelios. The collaboration is called Dreamlands, Lives and Epics. It's on Kickstarter, but only until October 30th. We get the chance to talk about not only this project, but his previous award-winning project, Borders, and a little bit more about some of the source material from Sandman to Vertigo and so much more. This is my conversation with Thanos. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Storytelling with Seth, a special episode, one that couldn't have happened without great connections, great people who really, I mean, when it happens that someone can tell you about a great story and you get the chance then to be a part of that, it's a great experience. And that is how I am sitting down right now with Thanos Kiratsis. And I'm going to go ahead and allow him to introduce himself a little bit and tell him a bit about this project, which I just heard about. So I'm going to be honest with you. You and I are hearing it for the first time, and Thanos is going to be the one to uh, break it down for us. Thanos, thanks for being on today. How are you today, man? Uh, hi, Seth. Thank you so much for having me. Um, hi from uh, slightly hot Athens. It is apparently <laughs> no, uh, uh, it's not still autumn in Greece. Um, yeah, actually, I would like to, before I, like I say everything, I'd like to thank our common friend, Tony, uh, yes. who brought us together. And he just like, he shows unconditional support into pretty much everything I do. I think Tony was like my, one of my original supporters and fans I had in, in coming home. That's awesome. Yeah, he's a stand-up guy. And I I love the fact Mm -hmm. that he's one we can, you know, share and say, Tony, it's it's you, buddy. We're shouting out to you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, it's uh, a bit bit past midnight. And I think that's the ideal time to talk about my new comic. I'm co-creating Dreamlands, Lives and Epics, uh, issue one, which is available in Kickstarter for until October 30th. Wonderful. So you mentioned the perfect hour. Clearly, when you're talking about dreamlands after midnight, it's a time when many people have gone to sleep. How does that play into the story that you're telling? What what takes place when people go to sleep in dreamlands? Or is it always taking place, whether we're asleep or awake? Well, well, uh, truth is, um, dreamlands is like a whole different world. It doesn't necessarily have to do with dreams so much as stories. The, the whole concept of Dreamlands that I have, uh, that I have co-created with, my, with the incredible uh, uh, co-worker of mine, an artist, Stelios Plaskas, is that Dreamlands is a, different, is a different world where everything is, is based on stories. I like it. And, thank you. <laughs> I, I mean, as a storyteller, as a storyteller I guess you, you'd find it rather interesting. But... Like uh, the, the, the story from where, from where, when we pick it up, it's uh, something slightly, slightly even more unique. Uh, to, sum it one, to sum it up in one, just one sentence, um, in Dreamlands, you, uh, in Dreamlands when, in the comic, you only have one human and all the stories that were left behind from everyone who has passed or faded. So that human spent his entire, entire life putting together all the stories in one book. And then, when all the stories come together in one book, you can imagine that the, we're not just talking about magic, we're talking about miracles here. Right. Wow, I love the idea. It reminds me of this great comic uh, when I was reading through some of the histories of comics. And it was, uh, it was a place that they introduced you to in the story where all the comic book characters who had gone before but were no longer popular, like their title got discontinued or something else. And this is where they all sort of went. It was like a limbo. And they were all sort of waiting for what to do next. Yours has so much more of a positive, it sounds, take um, and, and full of the miraculous because it's about the stories that someone has collected. Uh, okay. Tell me more about where you came up with this idea. Well, well just for like, like, like so for heads, heads up, this is the first issue, so it's going to take a nasty turn because more, more, yeah, more of it is coming. Um, how did we come up with it? I think that uh, it started, it, it all started with Stelius' idea about the world of Dreamlands and what he wanted to do. And he reached me with his idea and I said that this, this has so much potential, we just need to take it carefully. And we have a nice balance 
because we, we want to focus on the, on, the human side, on the human side of the story just as much as we want to focus on the world building, uh, which, which puts a lot of pressure <laughs> on our backs. Always. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so you, it sounds like it was a shared idea. Did, did you or the artist come up with a, a concept first and that started a conversation? Was it something that had already been in conversation? And when did it get the name Dreamlands? Um, I think we've been cook. I think we've been cooking it for about like two or three years. So I, I cannot pin down That's the, okay. when we got the Dreamland. <laughs> I can pin down when we got the lives and epics moment. Okay. This is yeah. Th- uh, this was like late July this year because. Um, I will put this in in, in some uh, COVID nine COVID nineteen quarantine uh, timeline for you. We okay. finished the, the the first issue around uh, around April or May, and then we just started editing it, and then we, we came up with the title. That's that's as much as I remember. Originally, it all started from Stelios and his his um, his uh, search for some for for a really good story. And then he reached me to to develop it, and now it's something we've both created and and constantly bicker over. <laughs> well, you're talking about building a world, so everything mm. that you decide upon at some point is going to influence what's possible, what's not, what the rules are, or how things work, and you know how much of that you have to keep in mind. So yeah, that can lead to some interesting. I was part of a game once. And we were trying to build a really strong story for a game that was supposed to compete with like League of Legends. But we wanted to have a story focus that, you know, you should be working towards something and there should be a narrative behind it. But trying to create the concept that would eventually span out, it it, it led to a lot of some, you know, intense conversations between me and our writing team where we're like, that doesn't work. Yeah, it does. If we do it, <laughs> you could get yeah. some really, <laughs> but that also yeah, shows yeah. how passionate you are about it. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, like for us, like people have stopped inviting us together at the, at the, like at the same dinners or like going out We separate. Yes. Because they can okay. stand this. Like, cause usually we would really start with like, yeah, we, like, we would stand the conversation between these things. We'd be like, yeah, this is what Panathar is. Like, no, no, it doesn't. Yes, it does. It, it's on issue three. Where is issue three up in my head? Okay. And then starts a whole like, <laughs> like barrage of bickering. <laughs> I understand. So um, there's a possibility you guys could be like in a music comparison, like a Paul McCartney, John Lennon. You're both brilliant, but that also means that there's going to be some arguments about what's going on with that. Are you familiar with the Beatles reference there? Yes, yeah, yes, I am. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, but I, I like, I, you know, you know, Greeks with hubris, we have this cultural going on. We don't want to go like, we're going to, we focus on the, for us, we focus on the fighting, not the brilliance. That's the good thing about us. Okay, there, that, you know what? <laughs> Our passion has a focus. <laughs> Wonderful. So uh, tell me, what else can people know about Dreamlands that would introduce them more to the world that you're building and what you want it to either be or say or what you already know it is? Mm. That's, a, that's, a really, uh, that's a really well-structured question. And I could, how much time do you have? All just, the time just, you need, man. All, it's all after midnight. Okay. It's just a question about okay, how, yeah, after, yeah. How, how late you need to go to sleep or how much sleep yeah. you need before tomorrow. <laughs> uh, not much, apparently. So, um, yeah, our whole concept of this world is that stories pretty much sustain the world. They are the key, they are the key to the magic as the people of Dreamlands understand it. They are the, 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 the seams of the world what hold it together and um, they they're basically an intrinsic part the thing is we 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 wanted to like i said we wanted to to create a fantasy world we have uh, there are giants dragons dwarves humans but we 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 think that we slightly not slightly we break the we break the mold that they don't focus uh well stere- not stereotypical but uh typical fantasy uh tropes for example, uh, giants are like these silent craftsmen that they that, that they that they use their art to tell a story. 
Nice. Dragons, dragons. On the other hand, they are, they are expert storytellers, and this is where, where where powerful magic comes from. So you have a dilemma there. Like, should I tell? Should I tell? Uh, should I focus on my oral tradition, or should I just like tell her everything I need? And what might the consequences be? So we focus a lot on the yeah. We thank you. We focus yeah. a lot on the possibility that that uh-huh. stories can have, or like storytelling in, in general. Um, we can we can tell that um, it will it will have this idea it, it will have this notion that this is an epic fantasy comic book. There, there are going to be wars. There are going to be warlords. There will be uh, will be unrequited love. But we also want to focus on how much human and how how small moments make or break moments can be. And this is actually uh, the title. Because epics, epics. You, you, I mean, you, we all know that epics are like these giant, uh, full-blown stories about usually something incredibly inconceivable, right? Mm. Lives, on the other hand, that they, they, they are not that they are not that uh, groundbreaking. They can be, but they are usually defined by many small moments that lead up to something greater. Mm. So yeah, we have magic, we have warlords, we have we have demigods, but they all try to find their place in dreamlands and this is what we focus on while trying to keep a balance so how does then the reader in the first issue uh enter this world what is their sort of entry point is it through a visitor is it through a, a narrator or as they're about to approach this world if they're opening the book what is the uh process of then getting a chance to enter in is there a sort of overtelling narrator? Is there someone there talking to them or are we following a character? Well, uh, following true to the tradition of the creators, it starts with an argument because we, yeah, we, 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 we just like throw life into our art. Um, the main protagonist is called Penathuris. He's an archivist and archeologist and he's on his way to restore the entire world of dreamlands. And he has a conversation with uh, uh, a storytelling god uh, called Nehiram. And that's, uh, that's how it all begins. So we start like in the middle of the story. And then we have like, how did it all come to this? And the narration picks it on. Nice. I like this. I, I really enjoy what I'm hearing so far. Um, and I'm, I'm curious to see how it then uh, develops are there any characters or are there any elements in the story that are like threads that kind of travel from issue to issue? Is it this one narrative told um, through different voices? Because as you're going to progress along, you also want to introduce these other ideas. And since it begins with an argument, does it, does it carry on from there with certain characters who continue throughout the series? Or is it the introduction of this idea through the argument and then it's relayed through each individual story that follows. Well, um, well, in the first issue, just focus on uh, just like uh, it's a it's a tone setting issue. It, okay. it, it, it has like what ha- what has happened and what uh, what's at the premises what's about to happen. So we have a lot of strong focus on the main character and his work because um, he will be the one the one constant in every issue that we okay. have drafted out. There will be, of course, we don't want to make this about just one character. We want to make it about, uh, uh, about uh, many of them, apparently, if, if I say. Um, each one of them, they, they're, not, they're not an archetype of a character. They, we want to give them a full-fledged sense. So we, we will expand. We, have, we don't have a large cast, but we have expanded as much as we can on building them. Okay. To make, to make people relate. So <laughs> think, of, think of them like, like the cast of a play. There, aren't, there, there, aren't, there won't be many that will be showing up, but those who show up will play a significant role and we, will, and we have developed them in such a way. Wow. That sounds really like a great series to follow. Um, I'm really excited for the fact that uh, hearing about your idea of introducing it and the concepts that it's based around, one, you know, using storytelling as a spoken word 
uh, through the oral tradition and, and how that can influence the magic and the way that it connects the world together is very powerful concepts to introduce because it then starts to put a lot of emphasis on the actual words that are being used. Once you tell the reader, like, this is important, how we say things and what we mean when we say them, it, it takes me back to like Eastern philosophy. Like uh, if you're thinking about uh, Tai Chi in which you can go through emotion, but it's about the intention you have when you're going through the motion, how well you're focused on it. So if you're putting that same intention into what people are saying or what these characters, not necessarily people, but what the characters in the story are saying and how they say things uh, imparts the magic that goes with it, then you're requiring the reader to sort of really pay attention to what's being said if they can under, you know, learn to understand how that magic is part of what we say, how we say it. And as you mentioned, the consequences that go with it. Was that something established early on or did it develop in the process of creating this story? Um, I think, I think it's still going because like you said, uh, because when you're dealing with, with the concept of stories and the possibilities, you, you can go as deep as you want or you can go as, as shallow as you want. It, it's up to you. But the, the, yeah, but the thing is like, you have to keep, to keep probing uh, to see what it comes up. I mean, I, ideally we would like to have full blown and full epic graphic novel to show how every, every cultural aspect of, of the stories, just so we can, we can discover them, but, uh, which might come later on. I'm not promising <laughs> anything, but yeah, for now we, we want to, to expand some basic, not basic, but basic for us, how we perceive the stories and the possibilities of them. So like you said, it, 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 it's, still, it's still growing, it's still maturing in our head. Because the way it began, the, the first issue to where, where, where it has come. And now we are, I was, Stelis told me today that he started the first four pages of issue two. Um, it, it will come a long way. I'm sure about that. Wow. Well, it sounds really exciting. I'm curious about all the different ways that this is going to develop. And I love the fact that it's still something that's growing, that it's constantly mm -hmm. evolving for you right now. Um, and I, I think I'm really caught by the fact that the next thing I think that catches my attention is you're, you're launching this Kickstarter for it. When you're doing that, um, what should we keep in mind about um, how it's set up or the details people should be aware about? Should they decide, hey, this is something I want to invest in? Because that's probably the biggest thing about the Kickstarter. It's attracting the people that will you know, agree to, you know, commit to the project and also are excited about it enough. They want to put their money where their mouth is and kind of be on the ground floor when something starts. Well, what can we tell them about your Kickstarter plan? Well, it's not, I can tell you that it's not just about the comic book. It's about the world of Dreamlands. Um, the reason why we're doing a Kickstarter is because we don't just want to give people uh, Dreamlands Lives and Epics as a series. Because, like I said, that would be a bit too limited for us. We want to, to go like a step further. We want to show people what dreamers actually feel like for us uh, as we're creating. So, um, even in the in the original in the original comic book that we we are releasing, uh, there will be four four additional pages of maps and notes from Pernathuris's book, the one with all the stories, uh, like a postscriptum. Uh, from the, you know the world's large, largest eulogy. This is what we call the book. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a bit a bit morose, but it gets like it gets the message through like directly. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, and we have also come in touch with a uh, young, a uh, young but very talented composer Billy Prim to create an original score. Uh, that captures the, the the essence of 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 Dreamland in the beginning, as we as we envision it first, which is wow. available in Kickstarter. Yeah. How did that uh, connection occur? How is it that you were able to connect with the composer as well? Um, was that through either you or the artist, or through a mutual friend, or how did that come about? Um, yeah, so uh, Billy Prim is a really good friend of mine. Um, oh, he, cool. ha we have worked together on a couple of short films, a couple of res residencies. Um, he has, like, uh, I wasn't so much into music 
I, I couldn't understand how music can be uh, composed creatively. And then I sat down with him and I said, this is an entire journey and I need this for the comic book. Please, would you please work with us? <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was more than, yeah, no, this was like, I'm not joking. Uh, I, I, I could never imagine the, the same way that Billy could not understand how I write and how I, I put together a story. I could never imagine how it is that he composes an original score because that's what he's been doing for the past years uh creating his own his own uh music and as soon as we sat down just once i was like billy like i have this idea for a comic you're gonna like it and i i need you to write a score for it and then he said okay i'm game (laughs) yeah 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 like usually that's how it is i mean we might be doing a short comic or illustrated book for him later on Really? Okay. I yeah. like the, the planning. Um, are there specific elements about the, the world, not just the series, that are part of the Kickstarter plan? So, you know, does someone come in on a basic level for whatever they're willing to invest, they can get a certain amount. However, if they invest larger, it's because they want to be a part of the even even bigger world in a, in a bigger way. Uh, for example, I, the, the, the gentleman that both Tony and I got a chance to interview uh, his project, if you invested a certain amount, he would create a character and work with you to create a character that would go into the story, stuff like that. Um, everyone's got a different approach to attract investors, to infect participants. What is sort of the range that you would like to talk about regarding your Kickstarter plan? Well, um, we, the, the, like you said, we have, we have, we have uh, keep in mind that we want to make people a part of Dreamlands. Um, uh, one of our most uh, basic, you know, suggest offers or suggestions. Sorry for the background noise. Um, Happens, man. That, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, is that uh, the names of the names of some people? Uh, the names of people up from a certain uh, pledge. I think it's it's Epos because uh, we have given like elo- eloquent names to each each bank because we have canceled. Yeah, uh, the names of each contributor will be added to the book. Oh wow! Uh, yep. Uh, uh, as as a thank you note, because they're literally becoming a part of Dreamland. But the thing we have, we we really we have also created a, a variant cover from amazing artist Deg Philip, uh, that is very illustration-like Dixit card. I'm pretty sure you must be familiar with the game. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it, it, it looks like many people have said that, okay, as soon as you're done with the comic, you need to, to make an animated movie based on that style. And that's, <laughs> that, that's the best review we've had. However, the, the, I think the, the turning point for everyone that they actually become a part of Dreamlands is uh, on, the, uh, on the last two uh, tiers. There is, there is said to be, uh, uh, actually, no, just on the last one. Just on the last one, there's said to be a commission, a commission surprise. And what we mean by that is that we will, anyone who, who takes, uh, who pledges, will receive a commission from Stadios as whatever uh, race of Dreamlands they would like. Ooh, that's a pretty cool concept. Yeah, and that that's actually them. And they may make a cameo in the book as, as a dragon or as a dove that they choose. That's awesome. I, I love because, you know, getting a character, then, you know, in, in a lot of situations, it's a person and it's a good guy, a bad guy or a bystander. Instead, you're like, so let's talk creatures. Let's talk about yeah. the type of dragon. Let's talk about the type of giant. Let's talk about like, you know, what sort of character would you like to be included? And you can get that. And as a commission, which is pretty awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because uh, the, 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 thing, the thing is, um, Stelios has a really uh, personalized style. It's not exactly Western comic. It's not exactly manga, uh, mm-hmm. but it's somewhere in the middle. And I think this is this is like the, the really strong attraction. Visually, visually, Dreamlands has like this weird, eerie, um, uh, eerie uh, atmosphere, visual atmosphere that you would expect from it. And it it, it comes and goes like uh, something like the tide. It rises at some point, it falls, <laughs> but it always it always keeps you uh, on your toes. <laughs> Great visual there, like the tide. I like that. Do me a favor, if you would, Thibs. Yeah. Um, take me back a little bit, because 
one of the things that really caught my attention is um, I, I grew up around, I mean, one of the first things I remember is being a child and my mom reading to me Chronicles of Narnia and the whole series mm -hmm. to me and my sister. Mm -hmm. And when I got older, it was Tolkien who really swept me up. And one of the things that I love and which I've heard from so many different, whether it's game or animated projects, they say, when I know a project is serious is when they show me a map of the world. When they tell me this is our world and they show you this map and they introduce that idea. And when you were talking about those extra four pages of all of those different notes that you're providing, I, I was drawn to that as a Tolkien kid and as a, you know, a Narnia kid. But then it made me wonder, okay, that's me, but what about you? You know, when it comes to your first discoveries, your history, when it comes to stories, to fantasy, to imagination, to to dragons, to giants, tell me about where uh, your first introduction to stories, books, things like that began. Were you an early reader? Yeah, that's uh, yeah. yeah Do you remember like uh, having a favorite book, book as a kid? Yeah. Yeah, like the first book was uh, Robert Louis Stevenson's uh, Treasure Island. Love that, that book. First. <laughs> yeah, that was, and I think I think people can tell that it had like a, a long, like a long, uh, like like a, a long-standing effect with me because every second character that I create is either pirate or pirate hunter or like treasure hunter. So yeah. Um, okay. And then what was the evolution like from that? Did you, did you keep wanting to read stories about, you know, castaways, people that are uh, adventuring or, you know, seeking the things that are lost or did it, it evolve into uh, other directions as well? Um, I think, I think it went uh, both ways in a way, because um, I, I, I remember that one of the books that had the, 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 the greatest storytelling effect was White Fang. Wow, uh, great classic. Yeah, yeah, classic. Uh, also, uh, but I will, uh, being a kid from Europe, you are exposed to a lot of European comics. That that's they're not so much visually, uh, visually breathtaking like like superheroes. They focus more on the on the comedic or, or satiric aspect. So, for me, for me, I found I find. It slightly off if a story doesn't have something funny okay F funny in a clever funny in a clever way because like aster reading asterix and looky look uh <sighs> like like the, those are like the, the i need this kind of humor in my life i loved asterix as a yeah. kid i i love him as i got older tintin was a huge favorite i remember yeah. grade school also kids tintin. like fighting over it in the library <laughs> Yep, like this kind of um, this kind of like visual uh, extravaganza, but at the same time, it, it's so funny that that you cannot stop laughing. This is this is how I got uh, so engaged in these stories. I mean, naturally, naturally, I, I when I say naturally, um, I've read a lot. Uh, I've read a lot of the class of the cla modern classics of fantasy, like Tolkien, uh, uh, Narnia. I've read Aragon, which I think is it's a part of my generation yes. as a, as a younger, slightly younger, uh, used <laughs> to be. Uh, but I think the most the most reverberating effect was uh, Neil Gaiman and Terry mm. Pratchett. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I'm also, like I said, I hang out with a, a couple of, you know, really fun nerds uh, a lot. And we proudly, you know, we're like, dude, we're, we're nerds. We get it. We, we talk about DC comics mm -hmm. on a regular basis. And a number of us are huge nail gaming fans. Uh, one is actually from England and every chance he gets to rave about Neil is just a huge, like he just loves the fact about talking about him. Uh, Terry Pratchett, made a huge impact on me. And I, I was always really impressed at, those are some great examples. What, what was it the most that you think or that you see as a reverberation for you and in through your art and storytelling? Um, definitely Sandman, because I, I, think, I think he captures how fast stories can go in a really subtle way uh, perfectly. 
I think it's just it's it's all out there. I mean, whenever whenever we we want to have a discussion on a reference, we usually go back to Sandman with Thelius. Uh, we usually go back to Sandman. Yeah. Um, I think another another th- another book was uh, that I will always happily go back to is Good Omens. Yeah, I recently had the chance to watch the televised series that they did based on that, and it made me laugh and think to myself. Yeah, but because because the, the thing is like having read Pratchett, having read Gaiman separately, when you see them come together, you cannot you you cannot possibly uh, imagine who wrote which part. I mean, if you've read if you read a lot, it's like so synergic. But if you read a lot, you can say that. Mm, yeah, most probably Gaiman wrote this part, but like you cannot, it, it, it's like perfectly blended together. Oh, just, oh my God, I just remembered like uh, my favorite Terry Pratchett book. Go ahead. Uh, it's number 28 of the Discworld series called The Amazing Maurice and His Educated Rodents. <laughs> I yeah. remember that title. Uh, the, the flip he put on the story and uh, and then the whole grasp of of like this mouse pack, this rat pack, and uh, how 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 well this the, the, how engaging the characters were. I mean, this was I, I read it in in middle school, and this was a book about basically a rodent, a pack of rats and and a cat, and yet it was so human-like that I was I was amazed. And mm. you have to realize that I come from a culture that, that slightly, well, we would like to boast that we invented the Western drama. And as you can imagine, like, this was a shock. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. Um, and yet so much of those ideas were, it, it takes me back to earlier examples uh, from my childhood when I remember like The Secret of Nim or mm. uh, when I came across uh, Watership Down um, are you familiar with that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 it's one of those stories that you you like, but you're not sure you 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 admire, but you're not sure you like. I think this is the the correct balance. For well, me. certainly with Watership Down, I can't go back and reread it. There are parts mm-hmm. that that hurt. Like you, you find yourself going, "Look, man, that was painful to read because of what it brings up and how it makes you feel." And I, I don't know if I need to go back. And, I, I'm glad I experienced it. I needed to, yep. maybe. But I don't need to do it again. <laughs> mm. no, that, 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 that's like good writing. It hurts. It hurts like deeply. And yes. you don't want to do it again. But you, 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 know, you know that it hurts for, for a good reason. And because the willingness and the, the power of going that deeply into something and not sort of like straying away from the pain, but willing to say, mm-hmm. no, we, this is something that needs to be done. And for the purpose of this story, it's going to be included. I, I agree. Wow. Those are some really great examples, man. You're, you're going to make me go back and want to rewatch and reread some of my old favorites and, and have a lot of mm-hmm. fun doing that. <laughs> um, I'm curious what you think, just on a side note, because uh, one of the things that we talked about, one of the, the folks who podcast with me, Kelly, she recently included myself and some others in a story about what it meant for the fact that Vertigo recently was discontinued by DC Comics. They have their black label and such, but for so many fans, whether it was fans of uh, Preacher, whether it was fans of uh, Constantine, whether it was fans of uh, uh, Sandman, those were all titles that were only possible because of Vertigo. Did you have uh, you know, a, a similar reaction or, or thoughts when you heard about that, that ending? And... Uh, it, was, it was a shock. Unfortunately, that, that didn't come as much as a shock. I mean, it's one of those things that make you sad, but you were kind of like expecting it. Because, like you said, we 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 because uh, uh, I, I uh, part of my part of my one of my jobs side jobs is like I am a comics journalist, so I I try to analyze a lot, uh, mm. read read essays, write essays about uh, uh, most of those stuff, and I was I had really taken an interest in in vertical in vertical shutting down the imprint. And going back and realizing how much it revolutionized the the, the Western comics by bringing those people uh, like Gaiman, Morrison, uh, like bringing them over, um, it 
was just uh, not disappointing, but it, it left you wishing that it wasn't over. Yeah, it was it was sad in that it had come to an end, but it felt mm. in some ways like it could only last for so long that, you know, the, mm. the power that had started it and that sustained it was at some point not able to continue the way it did. And in comics, uh, so much of it's about money. And if they're not earning yeah. enough, a label's going to, you know, face a shutdown at some point. So thank you, man. I was just really curious because I remember when I was asked to be part of an article um, and it was by my, you know, my friend Kelly Gaines. And I realized how many others from either the podcast or who also work in writing comics, we were included in that. And it was sort of interesting how widely it, it touched so many people and knowing how important Salmon has been for you guys when it comes to even, you know, basing a story decision on, on what to do, how important that was, what, what your thoughts were. Yeah, no, it's just, it's like you said, because I'm, I'm pretty sure that the, the comic book you mentioned before was, uh, I think it was Animal Man by Grant Morrison, issue right. 24, 25. Mm-hmm. When he took over. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, but th- th- that, that's the thing. That was like master, master level storytelling. And it, it, it just, it's, it, it was a classic from the moment it started till, till the moment it finished, and it still goes. And that's why it, it, it sometimes it's like you cannot explain why uh, would Vertical be shut down since it brought such progressive and positive change. Because sometimes sometimes change can be can be a bit can be a bit tricky in a way. For example, uh, Marvel now was a bit eh. It, it wasn't the it wasn't the best decision or the Max Max Double X uh, Double X. Yeah. Those were some, those were some debatable changes or imprints that were brought, but Vertigo only did some great good. And it, it, it leaves you, it leaves you with a sense of, it shouldn't go like, it shouldn't go down like this. Cause, cause I think it was, it was a really big, uh, big uh, issue for the people, for also the people who were working there, right? Oh yeah, no, it was extremely important. It, it was where yeah. you could go to tell more uh, nuanced, uh, more uh, thought-provoking, and um, comics that that allowed those deeper conscious stories to come to to the yeah. surface and to be told over multiple issues. Whereas, if you're talking about a regular DC comic, you either have like a four-issue arc or you've got <laughs> a single issue bad guy of the week or situation mm-hmm. of the week, and it's got to wrap up at a certain point. And a lot of times you could, you could go with a character in a Vertigo story, you could go deeply into Sandman's mind, and it could be about him sitting in a chair thinking about something, and you could have an entire issue about memory and thought and then wrap it up with, well, that was a section in a story that's continuing, but this was a moment where we just sat with the character for an issue. We just mm. sat down with them and, and and didn't do anything more than think what they were thinking and explore what that's like. It It's not something you can do in other comics. And I think what really intrigues me now is it makes me wonder when it comes to your book, how much of that can be an influence? Because it always ties back around, man, because the best part is, we're like a well, right? We're always drawing from it. We're always pulling out of it for our art, but we're also filling it. And if you're filling it with vertigo and Sandman, are there going to be moments in these stories where it's less about, hey, this is where we're traveling to, or this is the progression. And it's more about, let's sit and talk about a story for a minute. Let's just sit down and tell a story for an issue. Because right now, that's more important than where we came from or where we're going. Yep. Uh, yeah, like like you said, that, that we we need to have this because I think this is the core. This this has been the core. This has, has been like the kernel that that Dreamlands builds on. Even when we even in on the second issue, when we'll be focusing on like peripheral elements, we the, the, we we need we have decided that everything has to be done in like a really close knitted story. Uh, so yeah. We will try to show you show how giants live, but not to show you how giants live. We will we, we will try to do that through through uh, the story of some of of a giant craftsman who feel like they don't have uh, uh, something for art anymore, and they rediscover it through a short mm. story. Just 
just a preview. Uh, or like when it comes to the, comes to the dragons, we, uh, we want to show, yeah, all our dragons are like these nomadic storytellers, but how we, we, have to show, we have to show them how much they, they value stories and how we'll do that with story, by telling a story about them. Yeah. How, much time, how, how, how many times have I said the word story? That's, you're on the right podcast for that, my friend. So don't worry about that. And I, I love this idea, what you're talking about, because also you're suggesting how you're almost illustrating and presenting to the reader. Hey, if you're a creator, if you're a writer or an artist, this is something we all understand. There's always a moment where you go to the page, where you go to write something down or to draw something and you go, okay, what am I trying to do here? You know, because you, yeah. you're always creating something new and to then see these characters go through that same experience, struggle with the same struggles, but also find the same great, you know, discoveries that come through. What am I doing? Why doesn't any of this work? Why do I keep crumpling things up and yelling at, you know, and then suddenly it's all worth it because you find something and you suddenly know that's what the work was for. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, uh, it, it, it's like uh, this is like it keeps coming back coming back to the to like you have all those small things that you need uh, that we need as creators to make a story you need to have like a little bit of failure a little bit of like being stuck a little bit of work well actually a little bit but a lot of work <laughs> but yeah the, you cannot just have like a story a solid a solid flow coming out from out of thin air um, you have to put like together all those all those little things, and then you have like this great miraculous moment that it all comes together. You just have to like just put it out in the paper. Yeah, I'm reminded of the fact that you can't get a full page written until you've written a letter, until you've written a word, until you've written a sentence, and you can't paint a picture until you make a first brush stroke and a second, and then somewhere around 150,000 or however many it takes for that picture or that, that writing, then suddenly you're looking back and going, I think I got something, but mm. you, you can't see it yet when you're writing the first word of this. And when you do, you, the hardest thing is to hold on to it while you're trying to pull it out of your brain and put it there on the paper and then make it look the way you thought it did when you first saw it. Uh, this was, this was the feeling that we, that we got as soon as we, we were done with issue one. We, because we, you have to realize that we, we are young. We come from a country, from Greece, which has a little or no validation for, for, for people who are trying to be professional comic creators. So um, up, up to last year, when we were awarded, when we, were, when we received the award for our, for our work, uh, we were not sure about the quality of our job, but when we of our work, but when we were done with Dreamlands, we sat down and we said, you know what, this might not be the greatest comic ever written, but this is a good comic and we can vouch for it. This is, and I, I think this sense of, of knowing that you have done such a, such a, uh, a well, well structured uh, job, such a, such a satisfying job for you, work i'm sorry uh it's uh, it, it uh keeps you going and i think it shows on, on it shows on the kickstarter that we we value of what we've done i want to hear more about this award how did this happen how were you nominated and what is the award what does it recognize uh so um the thing about me uh, for the for the past three years, three and a half years, I've been living abroad. I only came back recently because of Corona. And um, uh, while during one of my, during uh, living abroad, I, I've met the, I think the most, the most patient person that has ever stuck around with me. Uh, 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 Lithuanian artist, uh, Gabriel Skyte. And it was, we 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 were interested in the same issues like uh, like immigration refugees uh, how how people are, are badly uh, treated uh, for several several of those issues so we co-created borders 
Borders is an illustrated book about uh, about how people perceive borders, how have borders shaped people. We have taken 15 interviews from people all over the world, and we have illustrated them to show to to accompany their 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 words. And afterwards, it was done. We nominated for I think um, there is no official title for it. Uh, for the John Byrne Award, which might be the, the largest uh, art award in Scotland, and we we won. Wow, which was great! Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, we did a Kickstarter for it. It, it was uh, successfully funded. Then we received the award. Um, Tony Tony Farina will be teaching it in Siena Heights University. And, uh, Borders will also be taught in uh, the National Line Capodistrian University of Athens. Uh, as a part of uh, of a circle of seminars called uh, uh, Comics and Identity, and it in the latest uh, Hanyartun uh, International Animation Comics Festival, it received another distinction, another award as uh, best uh, self-published book. Wow. And our team, Loudmouse Crew, received uh, the audience uh, the audience award for an artwork of Stelios. Uh, congratulations on your award, man. I, I think it, it was clearly well-deserved. I love the content, and now I'm really intrigued to see the art behind Borders. And uh, I'm sure I'm not alone. Where can people find it? How did they get their hands on it? it? Was it only part of a Kickstarter? Has it been picked up in another way where people can get their hands on a single issue or collect it? Or? Yep, so basically there are, there are two ways uh, to, to find it online. You can either uh, uh, you can either uh, go on Kickstarter and, and type the word borders, and I think it might be one of the one or either the first or the second one that will come up. And from there, we have a link to our Gumroad page, and we also have an official official uh, Loudmouth Crew uh, borders page, which is an overview of the book. And it also and if you want to to buy the, the PDF version of the book. It will take you to our Gumroad, and from there you can purchase it and download it. Okay, so Gumroad's the main source, but you can find that link to it through Kickstarter yep. and also through uh, what was the other page again? Uh, Loudmouth Crew uh, slash Borders dot gr. Perfect. Just like there you go. Yeah, Loudmouth Crew is the name of the of the team. If you just add Borders to it, you're there. <laughs> Perfect. Sounds great. I mean, the, the great thing is that's that's awesome to know where everyone can find it, where I can find it so I can read it. Mm -hmm. And man, I'm really excited to hear it. Now that I remember a while back, Tony had told me that he was getting his hands on a comic that he was going to be teaching. And man, I'm really excited for it. This is great stuff. I've seen some really great messages come from comics recently. Uh, DC did one called Resist. Did you hear about mm -hmm. the story about the uh, bird watcher in New York? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, a gentleman was bird watching in yeah. New York and uh, a woman um, who was there with her dog off leash was challenged by the man. Uh, hey, this is a public park. Your dog needs to be on a leash. And she then began challenging him on why he was talking to her that way and why he was asking her to follow the rules. And then she called the police on him and said that he was clearly up to no good. And he said, look, I'm simply a black gentleman who's bird watching. That's all I'm doing. And it was captured on cell phone camera. It became a social media um, sort of story that became then a news story. And this woman lost her job for basically uh, stereotyping this gentleman and then accusing him based on his race of doing something illegal. And he was then able to turn around with DC and write a comic book story about his event and about how it all started as a child with a gift of a pair of binoculars that he was looking through. But in this comic, he starts seeing all the people that look like him who have been killed in uh, unjust situations. And I, I love that idea because I thought to myself, what a powerful message and what a great opportunity for this guy to take a negative scenario and turn into something positive. Uh, immigration has become a, a hot button issue here in the United States. It's become a hot button issue around the world. The fact that you guys were able to approach it with borders sounds like a really great opportunity to tell a powerful message. 
No, it, it, uh, I'm sorry. First of all, I want you to I, I want you to tell me where can I find uh, resist so I can read it. And just to follow up for borders, it's not just about immigration. Uh, we 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 made sure to ask people uh, who were there for 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 immigrants and refugees, for example. One of the people we have asked has been uh, was a Doctors Without Borders member. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, uh, during the during the 2015-2016 uh, humanitarian crisis in the Mediterranean. Yes, he was there when when the boat when the boats were coming uh, from Turkey to Greek islands, and you could, and the, you have like shocking images of, of children just like washing up drown drowned. Mm-hmm. Um, Gabrielle's mom, which is from Lithuania, she she lived uh, all of her life uh, in the in the former USSR, and she really had some strong opinions about how borders have shaped her, her perception of, of the world, especially especially in in, in a country like USSR, where, where having where after it was disbanded, having borders meant that you you had a, a separate identity from from, from someone else. Mm. Um, yeah, we we were a really dear friend of mine, an amazing uh, for, uh, bio, biology food scientist. Uh, she works in the European Food Substance Commission. She gave us a whole new definition of borders, based on how how she sees it through substances, through uh, something that might not be acceptable in in one country to be used in agricultural uh, in the in the field of in the fields of agriculture. I understand. So, so yep. it sounds like uh, it's easy to maybe get drawn in by one idea behind borders, which is mm-hmm. one that's one of the more talked about immigration, refugees. Mm-hmm. But you're introducing the fact that that's where the conversation could start. But it also includes so many other things, such as your perception of borders. If you uh, live in an area that is part of the former USSR and now is defined by new borders, uh, what that border means for medications, for agriculture, for uh, opportunity and access. These, these are all really great ideas. And it sounds like you really tried to take all of the possibilities of borders into consideration when you were creating this. Yep. Uh, it, it wasn't an easy book. It wasn't an easy book because you had to edit it down to like choose what, you, what we would use for the book. I love how you said it, it was a discussion because usually people, most people don't, don't get that from the beginning, but this is what we want it to be. We wanted it to go out and listen to people and then and then tell their stories. Our first step was to go out and listen, to find to find the people we want to listen to. Nice. Okay. So you started the conversation by saying, we want to hear what you have to say. We're here to listen. Yep. Ah, that's <laughs> that's a really great way to hear anybody's story, and that's a really great way to find stories, to tell mm-hmm. someone what you're looking for and then ask them to talk while you listen. Um, it, it does make for uh, a great conversation. I didn't realize I was that uh, aware when I was saying it, <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm glad that I looked. So Thanos, tell me, we're, yep. we're now at this point where we've talked about Dreamlands, we've talked about... Um, the discussion that has been going on for two or three years to bring us to this first issue that people have until October 30th to be a part of it at whatever tier they want to and how they can. And we've also now included the fact that you've done some recognizable work, some work that's received great recognition and is part of kind of, it sounds like a great trajectory. Um, I also love the fact that you brought up the importance of where you're from and how that informs like what you guys are trying to do. What have we not told people about that we should include when we're talking today? And here's where it gets tricky because it's like, okay, we've talked about so many different things. Is there something else that's as important because it covers like we were talking about with borders, it's easy to get drawn in by one thing or two things, immigration, refugees, or others. When we're talking about dreamlands, when we're talking about everything that you're in the middle of doing and everything that you've done so far, I think, you know, what it comes down to now is what else is there about dreamlands or about uh, anything involved in developing dreamlands that folks should know about because they could see more of it in the future or it's something that we haven't included 
and it ends up actually being just as important to the conversation as all the other parts. Yeah, actually, there are two things. One awesome. is that, yeah, one is that uh, Dreamland is going to be a series. Awesome. The good, yeah, the, we, our original plan is, uh, is for, for Dreamland's lives and epics to be seven issues. It won't be, uh, and the more, the more, like every issue will probably be larger, will have more content, not just, not just story-wise, but like uh, world-building experience-wise. And the and that's the original concept for Dreamless Lives and Epics. Then we will start expanding on the world with side stories on the world of Dreamlands, uh, viewing it through the eyes of other characters. This is a, a whole different series. Now I'm talking like like in a re, in the larger scheme. Of that's things. exactly what I was looking for. <laughs> yeah, the thing that I, the thing that I really want to stress is that we're doing Dreamlands not just for us, we're doing it for, the, for, for those who, who stand by us, for, for all the amazing people who support us. And we want to focus on quality of our work because that, that's how, that's how we, 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 that's what we deem the most important. Um, we, we cannot say that, and this is why we, we went with self-publishing. We cannot say that we will have a book ready by uh, every, every, every other month. We can say that when the book comes out, it's going to be, it's going to have all the, the, the right work that we've put behind. That's wonderful. So it's going to come out when it's ready. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to come out rushed. It's not going to come out because of a deadline. It's going to come out because the work is done. The quality is there. And yeah. Like we have deadlines. Don't, don't don't get me wrong. It's not that okay. we say like okay, yeah, because like like what's like the seventeenth of, of October? Okay, we can start like with four pages a day. Like have another like three. Uh, no, we have some deadlines. But let me just. Uh, you gotta tell me what that is. Um. So people in Greece, they just go around blasting the music. Yeah. No problem. That happens out here too. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so we, we have deadlines, but we, we try to make sure that if more time is needed, we, we will give it more time. That, that, that's, uh, that's without a second thought. Um, Dreamlands will expand into, into more. We, we have other series that we want to create. We have many stories that we want to tell, but uh, Dreamlands has to focus on... on good storytelling that that's you know it 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 it's it, it's a bit of a grind to get there it's not it's not that it's not that easy you need to check with people to you need to you need to have a good editor you need to to make sure that that the story has a consistency and it's going the right way so that might be a little bit uh throw us off a couple of months but we're willing to to make that sacrifice if we can say if we can have like this feeling of satisfaction at the end of every comic I understand. Um, you know what, Dennis? I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say, um, one, I've loved everything you've described. Two, um, I know that off the top of my head, I can't think of where you can get Resist. But because we email, I'm going to share it with you as soon as I find a link that will allow you to access it. Because I was given a free preview of a, a digital version of the book. And um, I'm going to have to figure out where it is. <laughs> um, also... I've been working on something that I want to ask each guest at the end of our conversations. Um, and so that's why I wanted to make sure I'd include it as, as much as you needed everyone listening to know about Dreamlands, about what's going on. Because my next question gets a little interesting. Have you ever heard of Inside the Actor's Studio? No, my, no. no problem. So it's a show in which they ask people who have become famous questions. And they base him on Proust. Proust had a very famous interview process. And he had asked you these questions like, what's your favorite swear word? What's this and that? And I've realized that I could ask all of his questions or I could pick one that seems the most important to me. So I've decided I always pick one Proust question. And I ask now each guest this question. Um, and really, it, it, it goes a little something like this. <laughs> At the end of our lives, we all believe that something happens afterwards. 
either we go somewhere, we end up in the ground, we all have a belief system about what happens when life on earth ends. When your life on earth comes to an end, is there anything you would like to see on the other side um, or a person? And if you would, is there something you would like them to say to you? Oh God. I was hoping you were gonna go with me on the favorite swear word, why? <laughs> that would have well, been so much simpler, yeah. With this question, what I always think about is, what is it people wanna be able to say at the end of everything they were trying to do? Mm-hmm. Are they looking for acknowledgement? Are they looking for support? Are they looking for recognition? Are they looking for comfort? Um, and the only place you can really sort of view it all is once you've already come to the end of life. If someone's waiting on the other side, if there's anyone there to greet you, who would it be? What would you like them to say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh... Oh, wow, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's a multifaceted question. I have so many thoughts. I'd, I'd, I'd say... Um... If let's say this happens, uh, uh, I'd I'd like to think that the people that have believed in me uh, and uh, and supported me, uh, I, I I I they would be there, and I would prove them right. I because I, I I think I think that I am everything that I've done so far is is a creation of. Uh, is a creation of uh, someone else vicariously by their support, by their, but they, but by them believing in me, and I'd like them to to be there, and show them that all the all this that they all this faith, all this, um, uh, all this support did not go uh, to waste. That's a really great answer, man. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you for being willing to, to answer it. I know I, I, I saved the hardest question for the end. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, if, if it's okay with you, I feel like that's a perfect ending to a great conversation. Yeah. And I'm going to go ahead and say thank you for coming on and for talking. If there's uh, anyone out there who wants to connect with you in addition to Kickstarter, are you available through certain social media channels? Do you like to have contact on any particular channel, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, anywhere out there that you would like to say, hey, this is where you can reach me and we could have a talk or I can talk with you more if you would like to have a conversation. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, I, I really think that the best stories come from people. So the more people I have to chat with is usually is usually best for my inspiration. Uh, so just a disclaimer, what, 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 what you might inspire me to write a story. <laughs> everyone reaches out to me. But yeah, um, so if everyone wants, if anyone wants to have a chat, they can, they can send us an email at loudmousecrew.gr. Um, they can find us on social media as loudmouse on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And they can also find, find my personal account both on Facebook and and Instagram as uh, Thanos Kiradzis, which might be a little bit tricky as I say it out loud because I'm realizing that I'm not talking to Greek people. <laughs> but I, I, they... I, will send, I will send the links, yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Folks, I'm going to make sure that I have all those links available for you. If you have any thoughts, questions, or would like to be part of a conversation that inspires the next story idea for Thanos, he's just told you all the great ways to find him. I'm going to make sure I include those links and Thanos, thank you, sir. You have really provided me with a lot of inspiration, great storytelling, and my favorite thing, a conversation with a great artist. Thank you so much, Seth, for having me. Um, I think this was like the, the, the be- one of the best introduction experiences I've had in a long, really long time. <laughs> yeah, because, uh, yeah, it, it was like this, I think this is our first face-to-face or like screen-to-screen talk we ever had and I think it went amazingly. I, I agree, man. Look, I'm going to stop the recording and let folks enjoy yeah. the other parts and you and I are going to talk off camera or at yeah, least yeah. off the recording part now. So take care, everyone, and stay tuned. I promise you there will be more stories on storytelling with Seth.
And that brings to a close my amazing conversation with Thanos. I love talking about Dreamland's lives and epics, all the ways that you, I, and so many others can be a part of this Kickstarter, but only until October 30th. And all of the great material that was part of the source, not only for this story idea, but for a great conversation. Please look to the liner notes for all the best ways that you can be a part of this Kickstarter project, become a follower of Thanos on social media, and learn more about this amazing project that he and Stelios have set out on, put out there on Kickstarter, and are really charging ahead with what sounds like a really phenomenal take on stories and storytelling. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I'm thankful I was able to get this episode up as part of announcing to everyone what this project is and how they can be a part of it. Of course, if you have any further questions for me about this or any episode, please don't hesitate to find me on Instagram as SetTheWriter, although my dogs Bruno and Fiji are much cuter, on Twitter as one more singleton, or just type my name, Seth Singleton, in the word story into a search engine and tell me how you found me. Until next time, I can't wait to share my next story with you. Mm-hmm.